Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast i'm danny sheriff your host certified fertility awareness practitioner functional nutrition counselor and founder of the ha society and of course an ha recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice, so please seek the advice of your physician. Hi, this is Haley from California, and you're listening to the HA Podcast. Okay, everybody, I am super excited to be uh, just soloing. I mean, not really solo, just not with Danny. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, I'm here. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but today we have one of my past clients, Erin Todd, and literally I just could not stop talking to her before we pushed start. <laughs> 
just because I have just enjoyed working with her and getting to know her in every aspect and just all these things. But really and truly, I feel like it was great that you were like, okay, I'll finally share my story because <laughs> I feel like your story is a little bit different than the typical HA, but you still needed to work on the same things. And I yeah. think that that's interesting. And I think that like your age makes it interesting, not because you're quote unquote older, but because society would tell you that you're older. Yeah. Society would tell you, give up. Okay. I can't, I can't get into much of, of her story. So Erin, <laughs> just wherever you want to start, because I do think it's important that Aaron does have a history of like breaking free from diet culture. So I don't know, maybe start there a little bit. Yeah. I think we'll have to get to the diet phase out chapters before we can get to the fertility chapters, because I think that actually ended up being really huge. And I think the, um, the success I would say of this whole process is I had already done a lot of the um, behavioral work around food and body behaviors. And I'd already done a lot of the heart work, um, and spiritual work with the Lord and kind of surrendering my obsession with, you know, quote unquote health, which I really meant looking a certain way, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's call mm-hmm. it what it is. Health yeah. is nice. Health is a bonus that I thought would come from a certain appearance, which is totally false. Um, had to do all of that work of unraveling all of those false beliefs and kind of rebuilding everything I thought about food and body from the ground up with, you know, Jesus as the cornerstone. That's what had to happen. And that process took years. And that started, um, that really started for me heavily in 2017. And then, you know, after walking through it for a couple of years, it became a ministry of mine. And that sort of took shape in 2019 and 2020. And we didn't really get to the fertility Part of the story, the chapter of that started, um, when we both turned 40, which was last year. So 2022, cause it just now 2024. (laughs) So yeah, right. We didn't really start trying, um, until 40, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know what my deal is. I'm contrarian on a lot of things. I don't do things (laughs) by the same way that everybody does. So like, I was just late to the party. I didn't ever have that like urge, like I need to do this now in my thirties. When I think a lot of people have that, I didn't have, um, a big rush to become a mother. I always hoped for it and thought about it in the back of my mind and thought like that will happen later when it needs to happen. But when I turned 40, I went, okay, we, I should probably (laughs) at least start trying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we didn't start trying until, um, my husband turned 40 and basically we'd been, working at it on our own DIYing for probably, let's see, my first appointment with you would have been in May. So, mm-hmm. you know, almost six months, maybe a little bit more than that on my own before, um, reaching out for help because I ha- I do like to, you know, I like to do things myself and try and experiment. And I learned, you know, to approach that with some curiosity and like, it's okay. And I still wasn't in a rush, but it was starting to get frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I was starting to get really frustrated. And when I reached out, um, to get help, I think, um, it was the first time really I've worked with a coach of any kind, which is, um, super special because I, like I, I said, I like to DIY. So I did all of the intuitive eating faith, um, body food stuff on my own with the Lord. Didn't get any professional help with that. And that's probably why it took so long. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> so hey, but you I'm, got there, but no, you know, but you got there. I guess, but I have, you know, I have such an appreciation for, um, the efficiency and effectiveness of working with somebody that knows what they're doing like you, like it made all literally made all of the difference. I was, I was doing everything wrong without even realizing it. So, um, you <laughs> swooped in and really helped me out. Oh. Um, and the part that I wasn't really expecting was to have more work to do on mm. food and body, which was a surprise. Like I was recovered for what I would say would be years and was leading other women in their own recovery. And I thought I was doing good. And on the surface I was like, I wasn't trying to do anything different, but kind of the, the shift in like, well, now you're asking your body to do something more, mm-hmm. you know, you're expecting oh. more out of it. And it's like, you can't just keep doing the same thing and try and get a more result. Like it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so you challenged me on food and we had to work on that. <laughs> we had to work on that. Um, and I think just uh, recognizing that a lot of the fertility journey was like literally the same process as the food and body stuff, because for me, the food and body stuff was an attachment to outcome. I needed mm-hmm. to be a certain way for me to be okay. Like this is a thing that I need to have happen. And just being so attached to that emotionally um, in every way, like just building your life around one particular outcome, you don't always get that outcome. Um, And so, you know, learning to surrender that, to release attachment to that and say, you know, even if this doesn't happen, like I'm going to be okay. I had already done that and applied that in my relationship with food and body, the attachment being the goal weight. The, you know, mm-hmm. the health outcome that you're desiring or like looking a certain way. Like right. this is like, I was just chatting with somebody who's like, I was so stuck on, there's no way that I could ever be satisfied in a body that's slightly bigger or different than what I deem mm-hmm. like my ideal. Like, you know, like I was so stuck and blinded that I was like, there's no other version of me. And so that's, so that's one of the things that I like to challenge my clients. I was like, so are you trying to tell me that there's no other version of you? No, like not a, not an ounce where there's another version of you that's in a slightly bigger body that like you could be happy at. You know what I mean? Just really challenging because I feel like it's, we're so inundated with stay small stay the same, especially women don't age. Oh my gosh. If you have crow's feet, next thing is to do this. You're getting gray. You know what I mean? It's just like, Mm -hmm. stay the same, stay small. You know what I mean? And, um, which means that there is no, that which is subconsciously telling us that any other version of you is unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable. And how dare you fluctuate and change throughout life? You foul, foul human being. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's I mean, like, you know, like clearly they leave off that last statement, but that's really is what's pushed. And so I do, I mean, I will have to say you came very like, you know, I looked at your food and I was like, man, she really is like doing all the things. And so with fertility, the, the thing that even myself that I have to keep in mind is that like, like now we're asking our body to do optimal not just function, you know, great, but now it's like, we're doing optimal. Now we need, you know, and that doesn't mean that everything has to be perfect. 
and hear me, this does not mean that you have a 20 minute routine in the morning with red lights and lemon hot tea. And I don't know what other else is currently, you know, going on right now, but that that's not it. Meaning optimal, meaning that like, yeah, you probably just need a little bit more protein right now for, you know, for like someone who's like, I don't really give it a thought. And so really making that transition of like, okay, so now how do we be intentional about protein without being obsessive about protein and then without dipping into perfection about protein, right? Yeah, yeah. that that was it. And that was where I got hung up on trying to make a change um, because I was a little bit clinging a little bit too tightly to, you know, I think I know what my hunger and fullness is. And so I don't want to go against that. And mm-hmm. the reframe of like, let this be intentional about your meal composition and don't make it a hunger and fullness issue really helped me to get past that. And mm-hmm. turns out, you know, I felt just as comfortably full with <laughs> the appropriate amount of protein. <laughs> it took maybe a couple of days to adjust to that. And like the small changes of you need to be intentional about adding protein in the morning and in the afternoon, which is when I was lacking it and when I needed mm-hmm. it, that you were challenging me on was I think huge. And I started seeing my body respond like pretty quickly. Yeah. The cycle changed in the little data. And then I also just like, I just noticed and felt a difference right away. Mm. So I was like, and this is doing something. <laughs> you're like something. And you know what I think is so interesting because it's like, um, generally, so like with you, you know, generally I'm working with someone who's still like knee deep and feel in food rules and food fears and stuff like that. And so to coach somebody that's like, no, I really am eating intuitively. Like I am like, uh, like, no, I am here. And to tell someone who's eating intuitively, yes. And not, but, but yes. And what if your body could benefit from a little bit more protein and what does it look, you know? Yeah. You know, it could feel like it almost could feel like betraying intuitive eating. And I kind of want to pause here and chat about that a lot because a lot of our clients, whether they're at a true place of intuitive eating or not, they're like, I want to get there. And I, and it feels like you're telling me to go against it. How do I reconcile doing these two things? And somehow it's going to be positive. (laughs) You know, so how did you kind of step out and be like, I'm still intuitive eating and I'm adding protein. You know what I mean? Like, how did you do that mental gymnastics to get there? Yeah, that, that was the struggling point in the beginning for me Mm -hmm. of just getting, getting my head around that and understanding that those things are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like I can Mm -hmm. add this and still be listening to my body. And, and maybe I'm just noticing, okay, I'm listening to my body and normally I wouldn't be hungry for this protein right now because it's not part of my routine, but I'm adding it and I'm listening and my body's going, Hey, this is okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's like nothing, you know, it's not rioting being like, we don't want this protein. <laughs> I never got right, right. signals like that from um, hunger and fullness or satiety or anything like that. It's like, I've always, I'm still paying attention. I'm eating mindfully. I'm enjoying it. And then it's, it's a choice. It's, you know, the advanced principle, the last one, principle 10 on gentle nutrition. It's like, you're making a choice about what serves you best and what is going to meet your need for your body. And my need for my body at that time mm-hmm. was to have support in this fertility yeah. journey. Cause it was not, I was not currently giving it enough support to let it do what it's capable of doing when it receives the right support. So I think, um, recognizing that like they weren't 
incompatible. And then ultimately it was just a choice about, do I want to be intentional about this and treat it as an experiment? Mm -hmm. Don't have to eat extra protein forever. Like if we tried it for a couple of cycles and I wasn't noticing a difference and for whatever reason hated it, which I didn't, I could have have been like, okay, I'm just going to go back to my carb heavy way of living over here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that too, because intuitive eating doesn't mean that you don't. I think because people who not say need intuitive eating, I think everybody needs intuitive eating. So that statement doesn't make sense. But the people who are like, I am returning back to intuitive eating, maybe that's a better, are potentially coming from a disordered eating place, which generally is associated with a love of routines. And I think sometimes when our goal is intuitive eating, we tend to fall more in love with the routine that we've created in intuitive eating and not the intuitive eating itself. Because like you were saying, intuitive eating does not mean it is a, a void of experimenting. It is not void of trying new things. It's not, you know what I mean? It's saying that I'm going to try it and then I'm going to listen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes, and so I feel like that resonates with all of our clients because they're like, mm-hmm, yes, fine. You're right. I love my routine more. Like, I know we all do. We think that we're like such wild and even people who are like, I want, I like, you know, like I totally like, resonate with you. And I think Danny's a lot like you. She's like, no way we're hiring somebody to do that. I will figure that out myself. She's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, hire them. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean so we're like the complete opposite which is great right she's like absolutely not so sometimes she's like in what world was that a possibility for you and I'm like mine like we're totally doing it you know what I mean anyways but yeah I love that you gave it a shot and you're like let's just see how I respond and I think that that's and and I think everybody could be could they benefit from that lesson that you have just pointed out of like, you know, I'm unsure about recovery or I'm unsure if animal protein really is a, a thing, or I'm unsure if like protein is, or for someone who's like, it's fat, right? Whatever macro it is that you mm-hmm. currently struggle with, or you just don't pay attention to as much. I think intuitive eating is saying like, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot and then I'm going to listen, but I'm, but giving it a shot doesn't mean in bringing in your own preconceived ideas that are based out of fear, right? That's all, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you have already done that work so that when I said, Hey, what does it look like to potentially add in more protein? You're like, don't like it, but I'll (laughs) give it a shot. Right. And that's the difference, right? Like that's where go ahead. Let me say one more thing on the, what part of the reason I didn't like it was because I was beholden to the routine and -hmm. because food was now after I'd healed food was an easy spot in my day. And I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to think about it at all. I just like did whatever. And so having to think about it yes, <laughs> and be more intentional about it. I was like, uh, and you know how crazy life was for me during all of this. Like I can't have any more stress. Like I don't need a variable. I'm trying to eliminate variables and mm-hmm. focus on, you know, putting out fires over here. And so I didn't want to mess with what I thought was like, this isn't broken. I don't want to mess with it. I also don't want to think about it out of laziness and mental fatigue and <laughs> stress management issues. But like, I think being curious and willing to try something, even though it takes 
effort and attention and a little bit of time. It's really not that hard. <laughs> I had to get over my, okay. Like, I just want this to happen. Like, I just want to snap my fingers and be on one zoom call and have it like be done for me, handed to me, <laughs> yeah. fall on my lap. It's like, guess what? That is not how anything works in life. You got to put in a little skin in the game there. <laughs> oh, this is such a good conversation because I know everyone's like, yes, she gets it. And she does. Even if, even though she didn't have HA, she does get it because you're so right. Is that the other thing when that we hear is like, I thought I was healing my relationship with food and why am I now having to think about it more? And I'm like, solid question. And because kind of like what you were saying is that everything that's currently new takes a level of intention that like you just aren't used to operating at. And again, it doesn't make it. Like we are so used to like, if I think about food, then that is bad. So anything that makes me think about food is bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like we want to oversimplify it in order to protect ourselves, which isn't a bad thing to do until you're trying to troubleshoot and you're no longer allowing yourself to like, because growth feels like that too. That's what growth feels like, man. I'm in the biggest growth year. I swear the Lord was like, this is going to be an uncomfortable growth year. And I was like, really? And he... He was like, last year was fun, but this is uncomfortable growth. I was like, in how many areas of my life? <laughs> I mean, like oh, man. all areas. So that just kind of brought up of like growth also feels uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Growth also feels uncomfortable. So when like something's been such a major, previously such a major issue in our life, anything that resembles anything close to it like we like kind of like clam up and want to protect yourself which isn't bad but but then like you're also going to continue to get the same result that you've been getting because there's no growth and there's no stretching right and so yeah okay so I kind of want to jump ahead I don't know but okay I feel like you had a very common experience with fertility doctors that everybody else has as well. And then I feel like it was like amplified because of your age. And I'm like, you don't feel old. You're not old. I'm not old. Look here, y'all. We're not old. Like 40 is not dead. Sorry. 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 But I'm still going to be here and you're still going to have to deal with me. Like I'm not dead. You know what I mean? So what was that experience? Because we were really kind of just like, hey, like, why don't we get your husband tested just in case but the only way to do that was for you to start the process, which I think is interesting because if male infertility is also 50%, why can't they have their own appointments? You know what I mean? Yeah. The amount of like hoops to, to get through for just him to be a patient, but was like him going to his doctor, getting a referral, then going in as a solo patient. It was like, it's just easier if I show up as a patient. And then they get to treat you as like a co-patient. It was, oh, it's such a business. Yeah. I, was really, I was really turned off. Um, I'm already, you know, way suspicious of the whole um, medical industrial complex, big pharma, all of the things, conspiracy theorists over here. I mean, I, I got all the red flags raised for me with um, the intuitive eating journey and learning just about what the science actually says. So um, getting, going in and kind of knowing I'm not going to like this environment, but they do have what I want, which is the ability to just get this initial screening done to like, let's make sure all your organs are intact and functioning properly. Like, do we have a green light as biology there to support you? And the answer was yes, mm -hmm. it is like, there's nothing wrong. 
you're just mm-hmm. old. <laughs> yeah. It was, was literally the diagnosis. There's nothing wrong. You're just old. You're just old. You're There's just nothing old. wrong. You're just old. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. So I, I think it was, um, you know, I came in there armed with all kinds of questions and stuff that you had prepared me with. And so I, I'm a, I'm a difficult patient to begin with, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I was making them work for it and I had made it clear hundred percent upfront that I was not pursuing treatment. I was just here for like the screening and the diagnostic. I was like, I'm not, I have a, I have a hard, um, closed door that I feel a lot of conviction about from the Lord. And I'm not going to pursue a full fertility treatment. I'm just here to get some basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you can't upsell me doc. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to happen. I told you no up front. Um, and they still and tried, you know, of course. The they pause, still tried. Yeah. And which the pause is like, and that's no judgment on anybody who has chosen to go oh, that no, route. Absolutely but I think, not. Like everybody I, should feel comfortable to say like, and you're like, that's just like, not where I'm at. Like, that's not where I want to go. Like there's just yeah. certain reasons why I don't, you know, I know for me, like, 
I had not known enough about IVF that I know now, but I just knew that I had previously had responded really bad to just normal HRT, well, mm -hmm. BHRT, so bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And I was like, I no, I don't want to experience being like mega dose with a lot of hormones because I did not respond well and nobody believed me. Nobody believed my experience. They're like, that doesn't sound right. Just, and then like their like response was just increase the dose. And I was just like, I'm telling you, I'm not okay. And you're like, you know, like I was like, I'm not suicidal, but what I'm telling you is I'm not okay. And they were like, increase the dose. I was like, Oh, oh, like, so like, we can't do this anyway. So like I, so I, in my personal journey was just scarred and I just knew I just didn't want to go down that route. Like I was just like, I'm totally okay. Not having kids if that's the only route. And so again, like you, I didn't have this extreme burning desire to get pregnant and where I like a lot of our clients do. And so, you mm -hmm. know, I, I tell them up front, like, I'm totally going to help you, you know, and I don't think I have to have a burning desire to have kids in order to help you. You know what I mean? Um, but I can like sympathize with you of like, yeah, I can imagine that feels intense. But yes, to your point of like, hi, I'm here for the first part. No, there is no last part for me. So can you help me with the first part? Exactly. And yeah, and just to be clear, like there, I have no issues with, Mm -hmm. fertility treatments for other people. That was a personal conviction. And I had mm -hmm. felt the Lord sort of let me know like, Hey, this is, this isn't your path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's that simple. And so it's like, how can they, how can I get the information I need and feel supported by them and, and get, um, you know, get the confirmation that we were kind of just double checking with the doctor mm -hmm. of like, Hey, are, is everything okay? Organ wise. And, um, do we have the green light to, to continue to try and know that it's just in the Lord's hand at this point. Like there's nothing biologically going on. Mm -hmm. Obviously there was still, we still had to do some fine tuning with um, cycle tracking and nutrition steered still during all of that time. And um, you know, some, some stuff we could fine tune and iron out with supplements and stress mm -hmm. management and other things. But like, in the big picture the doctors can't do anything for this because there's nothing to be done. No, there's nothing going on. Like it's fine. You, yeah. your, your body can do it if the Lord. Yeah. It. Yeah. And so I do remember us moving ahead of like, Hey, like just go ahead and get set up just in case you need progesterone support. You know what I mean? Um, because the reason why we had also gone down that route was because they immediately wanted to start with you on whether it was Clomid or Letrozole in order to force ovulation. And then that's when we're like, um, pause, um, can we just get progesterone support first? Like with, you know, because you were, you were ovulating, you know, you know, obviously like we had to work through a lot of things of like, oh, actually this is the day that you ovulated. Oh, this is actually <laughs> your fertile window. And, oh, this is what your luteal phase looks like. So just becoming aware of that so that like we're not having sex like on cycle day three and be like, I just don't know why I'm not getting pregnant. Right. <laughs> like what's going on. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. Right. To where you're just like, but to, but to this point is that whenever you do go to the doctors, 
like whenever you show them your cycle chart, they're like, that is, that is woo woo. That's not real. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not real? Like, I know what day I ovulated. I remember when I was pregnant, they were like, no, the baby is this many. And I'm like, no, I know what day I ovulated. No, guys, like I have the information. I know what day I ovulated on. Like, I know. They're like, no. And I'm like, so you're just going to tell me that I actually don't know, right? Um, and so I think it's interesting because their first route for you was to induce ovulation. And I feel like my first question was like, do they ask you if you're ovulating? Cause they're treating you as if you're not ovulating, which yeah. then the next question was, okay, we'll play this, you know, like I'll like entertain this. Does this increase the chances of getting pregnant? Like, is there any studies that say, you know, whenever we induce ovulation for someone who's already ovulating, their chances of getting pregnant increase by X amount. Right. Cause I feel like that's something that you would want to know before taking something that induces ovulation when you're already ovulating. Yeah. Like, why are you recommending this? What evidence do you have to support this as like the next logical step? Right. I didn't hear any, any of that information. And I brought in some charts and, you know, I, I could see she's looking at things on the doctor's looking at things on her computer screen, but it, I got the definite impression that like, I'm not giving any weight to this. It's like, yes, I can see that you're trying, you did your homework, you know, gold star for you for a student, but mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to take this information seriously because ultimately you're not pregnant yet. So if this information was good, then, mm -hmm. you know, why are you here? Like, we're going to cut to my stuff. We're doing my thing, which is treatments and drugs and, you know, the way that I know how to do it. I, I, I'm sure she knows how to read a chart. She must, She's, she must, but she just didn't seem to um, put a lot of stock and value into that information as like, this is where we need to be honing in on and really understanding mm -hmm. what's happening. It's like, oh yeah, well, there's your chart. Okay. Drugs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, because I think it, and like, I'm sure that there is somebody out there who does know how to read charts, but most of them probably don't. They, you know what? You know, like they actually don't. They're just like, you're giving me information that I don't know how to read because I only know how to read like blood tests, like HCG is positive <laughs> or progesterone is this number, right? It's just kind of like, no. And so I think that that's kind of shows that either way you're going to get put on the same track as everybody else, regardless of your actual situation, which I think was just kind of interesting. I'm like, hence my question was, can we like push pause and back up for a second and maybe just ask for some progesterone support, even if she's just doing it just to humor you, right? Because if you're ovulating, you don't need help ovulating. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to see if it, if this is a progesterone issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that, you know, can feel very disheartening, but then I think and only if you're a coach do you have this perspective of hearing so many stories like this. You're like, oh, yes, no, 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 no. This is the norm. And we have to almost not put unrealistic expectations that while they say fertility, you know what I mean? No, they don't mean holistic fertility. No, they're not interested in natural conception. No, they are interested in like um, forcing the and this, and it just is what it is. Like whenever you have HA and specifically whenever you, 
U of H, we have left the land of natural and now you are now forcing ovulation to happen when a body has said, I don't have enough energy for it. I, I, I truly don't have enough to go around and I've had to make some cuts. And one of those things was your reproductive system. And so what, you know, fertility treatments do, whether it's oral, whether it's in injectables is like forcing the body to do something that it's like, I don't have enough to do it. Right. So then you have that experience and then like a hurricane hit <laughs> yep. and your life got really crazy. Like yeah. really crazy. August was like probably the most traumatic month <laughs> I can think of in the last couple of years. It was just so rough. We um, lost my fur baby Rufus, my French bulldog. He would have been 12 in November, but we lost him. You know, and he was 11, so it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that he was going to go in a couple of years, but certainly the timing of that was just so awful. And then two weeks after he passed, we like hadn't even like begun grieving that <laughs> we got flooded in a hurricane and it became um, like just house disaster triage trauma. Um, just Oh, just like everything. I felt like the wheels came off the bus. I think I probably used that expression with you a couple of times during coaching. You're like, the wheels are not on the bus right now. They're not on the bus. Like we're going down the highway (laughs) and there's sparks everywhere, Ashley. And because we don't have wheels, we can't stop. Yeah. Like that's my life. Yeah. That is my life. It was so crazy. The, um, that just, I mean, my stress levels were already probably a little bit too elevated before that. And then I think it was just like my, my body was at its limit and stress kind of pushed me over the edge there. And so it was, I was ready to to just give up for a little bit. I mean, I was just wiped out, just exhausted emotionally and physically, but you know, the, that, that is probably one of the biggest pieces um, of the story that really shows me the providence of mm-hmm. the Lord in the story and like the timing of, you know, I've been trying to get pregnant and for so long and it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. And he knew what was going to happen in August of 2023, even though I didn't know. And it was literally not safe. It was not (laughs) safe for me to have been pregnant. Like it could have been so (sighs) horrible. And it was just like, you know, all of that waiting. Um, And, you know, of course I can say all of this in hindsight, (laughs) but all of that waiting, it was to get through this, this terrible rough season of um, just stress and grief and difficulties and trials and, I had already felt in the summer, just emotionally and spiritually that I was going through the process of dying to self. And then we had like the dying of dog and the dying of house. So it was like, everything's dead. <laughs> what is happening? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know what? I remember being like, I, because I feel like in the waiting and I feel like a lot of people can relate to this in the waiting, so many people start to blame their body and doubt themselves. They're like, this is a for sure sign that there is something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my body. Like, you know, 
like this is like this is a sign this is a sign you know what i mean and i think that you had you you know maybe even given in a little bit more been like this is a sign i should have done you know the ovulation induction see look another month and i'm not pregnant right and I just remember being like, oh my gosh, could you imagine if you were pregnant during that time? That would have been insane because of the level of stress. I mean, like the level of stress was like, I think that even at that time we were like, you know, it doesn't make, not that it doesn't make sense for us to work together, but it doesn't make sense for us to focus on this right now. We just need to pause and truly handle life right now. And I feel like some people hearing that are like, oh, Ashley, you gave up on her first off, then you don't tell me because I actually don't give up on nothing. But the thing <laughs> is that I do think that you need people in your life that can zoom out and see it from the big perspective and be like, hey, in this push pull situation, and we need to push pause and like relax because there's no point of taking a nervous system that's so wound so tight either due to circumstances, workloads, all these things, mental, emotional, and then be like, excuse me, can you please feel safe enough to ovulate and create a baby? Thank you. <laughs> like talk about so yeah. unrealistic and such a high demand that again, it goes back to like trusting your body. Your body was like, this stress environment is not what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? And I think that if you live in a culture where you believe that your body is always wrong, always wrong, it's always wrong. I have to micromanage it. You need my help. Then like, yeah, you would see that, that time of not getting pregnant after like having to turn that down, everyone telling you that you're fine. You're just old. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just can't even anyways, you know, and be like, this is proof that you made the wrong decision only to wind up pregnant the next month. Yeah. When life, maybe you probably put on like two wheels on the bus. You know what I mean? Like one front and one back, not exactly all four, not exactly <laughs> all on the, whether the front or the back, but like, but like we got two wheels put back on and then your body was like, yeah, I'll do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, I mean, I, I'm still just at a loss for words when I think about it. It's the timing of that blows me away every time. And it's just, wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> wow, yeah. body. Wow. God. Just wow. I'm yeah. blown away. You know what the other thing that I think is interesting as well too, is that because stress was so high and like you and I had some really real talks, you're like, Ashley, I do have a higher level baseline of stress. That's that's potentially not going away for five years. And I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you know, like that is something that you have to work through with clients. How much, you know, and you know what the thing is, is that some people are not happy with the way that their body responds. And I feel like you took it as, you know, in stride. But whenever we reflected back on your fertility journey, first off, and this is what people need to understand too, like, in like your low 20s, your chances of getting pregnant is 25%. Once you're like in 30s, it's like 20. And then it hits, you know, like late 30s. It's like, I don't know, 15. I don't know. It winds up getting down to like what, like sharp, like shocking, like 5%. I think that I think that's what I was telling you. 5%. We're dealing with, first off, we're dealing with 5%. Wowzer. I don't know how 
like wowzer, 5%. And that doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, you're old and there's something wrong with you. It's just is what it is. And so if it is truly 5%, then like we have to expand our time frame. But then also whenever we were looking, because your stress was so high, you technically only had three optimal cycles. And that's something that we have to like keep in mind, even someone who is cycling, who has been cycling and does not have a history of losing her cycle, all these things, stress was still impacting your cycle. And if it's impacting your cycle, plus the added variable of 5%, in three solid cycles and 5%, you got pregnant. I'm just like, hands up. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. The uh, fertility doctor had told us it was one to two. And that even with treatment, it was only going to be three to four percent. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I was like, well, <laughs> you know, I guess you only need a small percent if like, you know? Yeah. I, I and just, so I do think that's why those other things do have to be in check. And so I think like, that's a lesson that all of us can learn is like, no, my stress can't be as high as it wants. And I ovulate and get pregnant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As soon as, um, and you know, I didn't really think about it until you were just reflecting and describing it again. It's like the, the pressing pause on some level, that was a, a response to like, Hey, triage, we got to put this in priority. Like <laughs> I literally don't have anywhere to live right now. This is, you know, th this has to come down, um, on the priorities list a little bit, but it's still important. Uh, but somehow like being like, okay, I can't work on this the way I've been working on it. Like the little bit, the whatever extra layer of surrender. Cause I had already, you know, this whole thing was a surrender journey for me over and over again. I would have to constantly lay, lay this down and give it back to the Lord and be like, okay, you're in charge of this you know, your will be done. I, I would love for this to happen. And if that's not your plan for me, then I'll accept that. I won't like it, but I will accept it. <laughs> like I'll get there. And so whatever last little layer of surrender of, I'm not going to put as much emphasis on this might've just been that extra release and that extra margin and surrender of like, okay, you really did take your hands off of this. And you really did recognize you were not in charge of any of this and, um, pressed pause on it truly mentally and emotionally and physically that had to have given me some extra level of stress relief that I was not even able to quantify or realize at the time, because like you said, like the next cycle was the cycle we were able to conceive. You are speaking my language. Um, I was just talking to a client. She was like, this person didn't have a cycle for 20 years. And this other person didn't have a cycle for 11 years and they have recovered faster than me. First off, shot off. That's just amazing. 20 years, 11 years. That's wild. Go on. Yes. You know what I mean? HA is reversible. We'll stand by that forever. Okay. But then I had to say, is it possible that they have let go of control where you still are like white knuckling? And I don't get to pick the way that your body responds to stress. You don't get to, but you do get to influence it. You do get to nurture it. But is it possible that, yes, you are doing all the right things, but it is this last grasping for control that is keeping you. And so in your particular journey, like being able to get pregnant, 
again, doing, so think about, no, you probably didn't need to let go in order to eat intuitively. I mean, obviously you had to, to get there, but like you were able to keep this last like pinky death grip on it. Right. And you were able to keep this level of control, you know, to ovulate consistently. You're and P.S. She actually did have great luteal phases. Like she wasn't working with the seven day luteal phase. So that's why I was like, hot dang, man, this body is like really telling me that there is one thing missing still. Right. And really and truly, like you cannot tell me that our mental and emotional state does not communicate with our body. And that's the thing I say all the time. If I can sit here and stress about something, anything, HA people, come on now. I'm sure you, you could pick one thing and give myself an ulcer. Then that means the mental and emotional state of my mind has caused a physical reaction, such as creating a hole in my stomach. You cannot tell me that your level of control is not impacting your journey. It's just like, there's just too many studies now. Thankfully, there's too many studies now that show like the mind body connection. It's not exempt. You're not high level. You're not an elite creature that you get to keep your body from responding to your mental and emotional state. Even though we want to think that we are, but we're not, we're not. And I think your journey like really like nails that home. Like, no, just kidding, bro. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. And it's funny that I didn't, I don't know, try and grasp to that earlier. Cause I've experienced, I experienced that on my intuitive eating journey. Like mm -hmm. I had fear foods that I thought I was quote allergic to. Oh my gosh. We all do. That right? turns out <laughs> literally the next day, <laughs> totally fine. Like it's in your head, like Aaron, it's in your head. Your head is running your life. Like uh... get out of your head, let the fears and the stresses get put in check and your body responds differently. I've lived experience of that in my body. And so I was like, why didn't I think about this? <laughs> I think I was able to tell myself that I wasn't really stressed and I wasn't really controlling at it just because I was a little bit, you know, accepting of the fact that, Hey, this is taking longer than I wanted. Like maybe this isn't going to happen, but in the day to day, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do to make this happen? <laughs> You know, so it's like, I what can I myself. do to maximize this? And you're like, that's so true because like, you're, you're so right. We disguise it as I'm just helping. Are you just helping? Cause I think your helping is hurting. I think I need you to help less. <laughs> yeah. It's like my body was doing much, <laughs> much better when I quit stressing it out with all of my stress. I yeah. think it's, yeah, I it. think it's. Oh, so beautiful. I know that we chatted too much in the beginning. So we're getting near the end of our time. But I just think what this journey shows is that women are not exempt from the basics when it comes to like getting pregnant. You know what I mean? Because honestly, I feel like you would have had a great case to be like, no, I'm the unicorn. I am ovulating. I have a great luteal phase. I am broken. And it was like, there's this little part of you that's like, is there possibly, you know, something else that like is impacting it? And lo and behold, it was stress. Yeah. Which 
everybody, every woman, and if you're listening to this podcast, then like it applies to you too. So if you're wondering, yes, <laughs> you, yes, you know, uh, so what is like, is there any one last thing that you're like, you know, this sums it all up or this shocked me or yeah. I, I think for me, what I really am, am leaving with, and I'm carrying this forward into, you know, the the new attachment now, since I'm the, I'm the personality type that I want to fixate <laughs> on a goal and just attach to this outcome. At one point in my life, that was a goal weight. Then at another mm -hmm. point it was getting pregnant. And now, you know, it's healthy baby. It's whatever that is, whatever that next thing that I, I need to have this happen or I will not be okay. Um, a constant daily checking and surrendering of that and speaking against it, speaking truth against it. It's like, this is something that I want and I will be okay if this does not happen. Yes. Like there's an and there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think um, being able to accept things as they are and at the same time and, you know, do the things that I know I need to be doing to care for myself and ensure to the best of my ability that I can support a healthy child being born, I'm not in charge of that ultimately. And like really recognizing that, Hey, I'm not in charge of a lot of the things that I thought I was in charge of. I'm just really not. And that's okay. Yes. So, okay. Yes. And this is the last rambling. <laughs> I really should cut it off here, but I would just <laughs> have this conversation. I really think that HA recovery in, in this aspect sets us up to be able to then carry a child for nine months and then if y'all don't know this birthing is an act of surrender like you don't get to pick the day you don't get to pick how you don't you know what i mean like all these things and birth fit says it the best that they were talking about how like athletes are kind of like the worst because they're like i just need to push through because i just like i push through any other workout any other pain any other discomfort and it's like yeah that's not going to work in birth so if that's the only tool you have you're in a world of hurt and i think that getting pregnant and going through this or fertility journey in some aspect, it prepares you to consistently surrender and really get clear on the things you really don't have control over. And that surrenders not losing, surrenders not caring. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, like we cannot equate that the more crazy you are mentally means that the more that you care. Absolutely not. You know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And so I feel like it's just like, it's just like this layer, which is probably a good idea. There probably needs to be some layers shed as we enter into motherhood. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I am not the same person. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> yep. Right. And you don't have to give birth to not be the same person. I'm not the same person. You know what I mean? So, oh, okay. I'm gonna stop rambling. Aaron, I've enjoyed chatting with you. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I this hope anybody. Yeah. Anyone who is at 40, who's been told that you're old, I hope Aaron's story <laughs> just really sticks with you. Yes. You're not old. You're fine. You're just fine. <laughs> yes. Totally. All right. Thank well, you. Thank Ashley. you, Aaron. All right, guys.
Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction. Temp drop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the temp drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afha society i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, afha society at the checkout that will work too so happy temping and good luck This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other 
like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending grassland nutrition beef liver capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.